Hello and welcome to Parsha on a Pod. My name is Yechiel Schaffer. I am the rabbi of the Pikesville Jewish Congregation. This week we are taking a look at Parsha Shalach, a Parsha that is both heartbreaking and hopeful in a variety of ways. In this Parsha we send scouts to spy out the promised land and God promises that only a new generation will enter. The generation that left Egypt shall pass and the new generation of children and grandchildren will reach the promised land. This week's Parsha we learn some details about sacrifices and that which must accompany the sacrifice. We learn the importance of accepting the stranger, the ger, and we are introduced to the mitzvah of the tzitzit. Here is Parshat Shalach in seven parts. Part 1. Shalach l'chan ha'shim v'yatur et eretz k'na'an asher ani notin l'vnei Yisrael. God tells Moshe to organize an espionage mission to scout out the promised land. Each tribe will have the opportunity to send a representative on this mission. And Moshe did as God commanded and sent out the leaders of each tribe, men of prestige and fame. Each of these representatives were to scout out the land, starting in the negative and working their way up through the hill country. They were instructed to examine the land and the people that lived within, whether they were people who were strong and resilient, whether their cities were fortified, whether the soil was rich in nutrients, whether the land was good with crops or filled with trees and forests. They were to bring back some of the fruit of the land to illustrate the great blessing of inhabiting this corner of earth. The Sephorno chapter 13 verse 20 points out, that the fruits of the land had not fully ripened yet. It wasn't indeed the harvesting season, yet they would bring back incredibly impressive fruit, though they had not been done growing yet. And so ends part one. Part two. V'ya'aluv yatur et ha'aretz b'mibatzin ad rechov levo chamas. The selected group went up to scout out the land, leaving from the wilderness of Tzin. They went to the Negev and arrived at Hebron. They reached Nachal Eshkol, where they, cut, where they cut grapes that needed to be carried by two people. They were so significant. However, after 40 days of scouting the land, they returned to the Israelites. They went straight to Moshe and Aaron and all the Israelites and showed them the fruits of the land, the impressive crop that they had brought back. They shared that the land does indeed flow with milk and honey and has robust fruit, but the people are fierce and the cities are fortified. Amalek dwells in the Negev as well as a variety of other nations throughout the land. Caliph steps in and calms the people, encouraging the Israelites to proceed with confidence. The other scouts respond that the locals are too strong for the Israelites. They spread false lies about the land and suggesting that the land itself devours its inhabitants. Eretz O'chelet Yoshveha. Rashi chapter 13 verse 32 says that God caused the inhabitants of the land to suffer many deaths so they would be preoccupied by burying the dead rather than noticing the Israelite scouts. The scouts misinterpreted this blessing from God as that the land itself was particularly deadly. All of Israel cried that night and complained against Moshe and Aaron. Moshe and Aaron fell on their faces in despair. Yehoshua and Kalev tore their clothes in mourning and begged the community to see good in the land and in their reports. 
And so ends part two. Part three. Im Chafetz Banu Hashem Vehivio Sanu Ela Aretz Hazos Unasana Lanu Eretz Hizavat Chalav Udavash. Kalav and Yeshua plead with the people to recognize that God will give them the land flowing with milk and honey if they don't rebel against God, against Him. As the crowd grew more aggressive, God's presence appears over the Mishkan. God spoke with Moshe, telling him that he will destroy the people and start the nation again with Moshe himself. Moshe responds that the Egyptians will then question God's omnipotence if he doesn't bring the people to the promised land. Moshe prays, invoking the 13 attributes of God's mercy, seeking forgiveness for the Israelites. God does indeed forgive the people but announces that none of them will live to see the promised land with the exception of Kalev ben Yufune. The Chizkuni chapter 14 verse 24 points out that it was not necessary to mention that Yahushua will also enter the land because he will lead the people in their conquest of the promised land. It was obvious that he was going to enter the land. It needed to be stated that Kalev would accompany him. And so ends part three. Part four. Ad Mosai Leida Hara Hazos Asharhima Malinim Olai. God now speaks with Moshe and Aaron, telling them to share with the Israelites their destiny that anyone over the age of twenty will not enter the promised land. The Orachim chapter fourteen verse thirty two points out that the Torah states that these people will be buried in the desert to point out that even their remains will not be carried into the land, unlike the remains of Yosef that they were carrying with them through the desert. For 40 years they will roam the wilderness until an entire generation passes. The scouts themselves were destined to die in a plague. The people were now overwhelmed with grief. The next morning they awoke and prepared to set out to the promised land in spite of God's promise that they won't reach it. Moshe warns them not to try, but they persisted. Amalek and Canaan fought them and defeated them and Chorma not permitting them to pass. God says to Moshe to say to the Israelites that upon their entry in the land, they seek to bring a Karban. The Karban, the sacrifice, should be accompanied by Mincha flower sacrifice as well as a wine libation. And so ends part four. Part five. The Aliyah continues to describe what items should accompany which carbonate. The Aliyah concludes by pointing out that these laws apply equally to the Israelites and the Ger, to the resident stranger. The Natsiv chapter 15 verse 14 points out that generally for someone to become Jewish they would need to bring a carbon. The fact that these psukim talk about the commitment of these people, the Geirim, the Dorot, for generations, points out that even when it is not possible to bring a korban, one can convert to Judaism, one can become a Ger. One may, thinks, one may think the korban is critical, and it certainly is, but it doesn't stop someone converting when it's not possible. And so ends part five.
Part 6, Daber el Bnei Yisrael, v'matar lehem v'voachem el ha'aretz asher ani mevi etchem shama. God says to Moshe to tell the Israelites that upon their entry into Israel, they will have the opportunity to grow crops. The first of these crops should be dedicated to God. If you fail to keep these laws, the entire community shall bring a sacrifice accompanied by a mincha flower sacrifice and a libation. The Kohen Gadol will seek forgiveness for the people as a whole, and God will indeed grant that forgiveness to everyone, because it was an unintentional error. And so ends part six. Part seven. The Imnefesh Achas Techata Vishgagabi Kriva Ezebas Shnasa Lechatas. If an individual unintentionally sinned, they should offer a sin offering and the Kohen will secure forgiveness for them. If a person sinned intentionally on purpose, he is cut off from his people and he bears his guilt. The Israelites were then found themselves in the wilderness and a man was discovered collecting sticks on Shabbat, a severe violation of Shabbat. They brought this man to Moshe and Aaron and incarcerated him until they knew what they were supposed to do with him. God says to Moshe that this man should die at the hands of the Israelites, and it was done so. God now says to Moshe to tell the Israelites to, to observe and keep the mitzvah of tzitzit that will enable them to remember all of the mitzvot in the Torah, a critical and interesting conclusion to a difficult and sometimes challenging parsha. And so ends part seven, and so ends Parsha Shalach. Thank you for joining us on Parsha on a Pod, listening to Parsha Shalach, a wonderful, challenging Parsha. My name is Yechiel Shafer, the rabbi of the Pikesville Jewish Congregation. One final thought on the Parsha, the Ramban in Nachmanides, chapter 15, verse 32, wonders why this Parsha is concluded with the instruction with the mitzvah to wear tzitzit. He shares Rashi's view that the tzitzit are there to prevent some of the mistakes that occur in this week's Parsha, and he speculates on how the tzitzit actually do that. Rashi, he quotes, sees significance in the various numerical values found within the tzitzit, the number of strings and the number of knots. This opinion is really dismissed by Ramban. He rather sees a profound symbolism in the blue thread found within the tzitzit, reminding us of the sea, reminding us of, which reminds us of the sky, which in return reminds us of the throne of glory and of God. Perhaps both of these opinions can be true. For some people, the numerical value, the, the structure of the tzitzit is what gives us spiritual context. And for others, the artistic expression of the tzitzit, the beauty to be found within the tzitzit, is what helps us find God. Either way, the, the purpose, the mission is to wear those tzitzit to remind us every single day to, to not repeat the mistakes that were performed in Parshat Shalach. My name is Yechiel Shaffer. This has been Parsha on a Bod, Parshat Shalach. We hope you enjoy.